0: Uh, Let's talk about the Easter story. Now, uh, Easter, obviously one of the most important Sundays in the life of a church, and uh, pastors spend hours thinking and praying about what we should talk about on Easter. What do you need to hear? What should you hear? And I think I got it. I think what you need to hear about is my spring break vacation From this past week, I think that that it would be doing you a disservice to not share that with you. So I have a 45-minute slideshow to walk you through the Poindexter spring break. Now, actually, I want to tell you a little bit about it. Uh, It was an amazing vacation. We just got back from Arizona in spring training because second to only the resurrection in importance is the start of the baseball season. So, uh, we spent the first half in Goodyear, Arizona, uh, with the Indians and other teams watching spring training. And if you've never done it, it's an absolute incredible experience if you love baseball. Now, uh, like, the the word is accessibility. There's an accessibility to it in that you can get right up against just a chain link. It's like a Little League fence. And you're right there watching these celebrity players, these world-class athletes. So you got Lindor, Brantley, you know, you're just, they're, they're right there, you hear them talking, and you watch them, and there's, like, there's gotta be a fence because there's clearly separation between them and everybody else. Like, you watch what's going on on that side of the fence, and it's incredible. Just start with, like, the stretching. When, when those guys stretch to warm up, if you would do that to my body, it would be months. Like I don't know if I would ever be the same. And then you watch them throw and they're like, like rocket arms. And, and you know, they'll throw for a 100 feet and it's spot on. And then when you watch them swing a bat, oh my gosh, there's like a violence. If, if I were to swing a bat like that, it would take three days for my muscles to like reconnect and rebuild to where I could function and get off the couch. Just in, in, incredible. So there's, there's the fence where there's the world-class athletes and then the dads that swear if the coach's kid wasn't on shortstop that they could have made it, you know, to that level. <laughs> but the fence. So, but then there's these moments, and this was, was thrilling as a parent because our, our younger son Elijah's 10, and he's there, and he loves baseball, and he's pressed up against the fence. And then my older son Spencer... 13, loves baseball, maniacal. I mean, maniacal approach to getting autographs and and things like that. But um, there were moments when the professional athletes would reach out over the fence and interact. And that was always incredible. Like, uh, there was a moment when uh, Zimmer, our center fielder, uh, came up to the he pointed to Elijah, and he walked up to the fence. That's my 10-year-old. And Zimmer's like nine feet tall or something like that. And he looked out over the fence and he dropped Elijah a baseball. Then there was another moment when Brandon Geyer is running in um, at the start of one of the games that we went to. And he looked at Elijah, he pointed to him, and he tossed him a baseball. Jim Tomey was there, interacted a little bit with Elijah. Just incredible moments when the professional interacts over the fence with the 10-year-old. Then my older son, Spencer, he got to be bat boy. So that's like Spencer there on the right, right next to Kluber and those guys. At the bottom there, he's handing Perez a bat. There he is running around home with some of the gear by the home plate umpire. Extraordinary experience for a 13-year-old boy to get to be on that side of the fence and be bat boy for your heroes on the Cleveland Indians. So that was an absolutely incredible few days that we spent. Now, I wouldn't want to shortchange you. I got to tell you about the second half of our vacation as well. I mean, you got to know. You came here to know uh, we went from there to Sedona. Anybody here ever been to Sedona, Arizona? Absolutely incredible. There's one of the rocks, there were many. They were all over the place, these giant red rocks that that almost like a garden just burst up out of flatlands. Uh, incredible views. and And for me, this was God's side of the fence. Like they were the pros side of the fence and they could throw the ball really hard. And then there's God's side of the fence, which is like mountains rising up. Then we went to the Lowell Observatory in Flagstaff, uh, which, you know, uh, an astronomy haven's where Pluto was discovered in one of the telescopes. And, and they have, uh, you know, you're, you're just looking on this hilltop at these stars, and it's phenomenal, God's side of the fence. There's this walk that you do. Where it's it's all done to scale the the solar system. So there's like the sun and then you walk a little bit and it's Mercury and then Venus and then Earth and then Mars and then I don't know any of the other like order of the planets, so we're gonna stop at Mars. I got those first four down. But then you there's a plaque that says that every inch, every inch that you're walking represents one million miles. And so you're just like eight feet from the sun, and it represents 93 million miles. And then it goes on for like what seemed like 50 yards as the planets progress, And you you think about that vastness on God's side of the fence. And you feel about that big. But somehow that's a good thing. So in... Good year, we saw the humans professional side of the fence, but then the second half we saw God's side of the fence, and it was jaw-dropping. We went to ended up at the Grand Canyon, just this vast expanse, and it was all I can say is awesome, but in like like real awesomeness. Not like, you know, that burger was awesome, but like like awesome. Now, the ancients have always seen and observed and understood through those same formations and stars and canyons the awesomeness of God. They've always understood that there's a fence and there's God's side of the fence. That's above any of us. I think about a couple of verses here. One is in Romans. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. In other words, as long as there have been humans, they have seen these amazing structures and canyons and stars and have understood that there is a fence... And there is God and what he can do, and it's way different than us and what we can do. Then there's uh, Isaiah 55, where God uses the universe to illustrate the fence. He says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So he's like... Look at that 93 million miles between here and the sun, which really is just a fraction of the rest of the universe. That's how much higher my ways are than you are. Like, that's a fence. That's what makes the Easter story so incredible. With the Easter story, we think about the moment in history... When God, the creator on that side of the fence, became human and joined us on our side of the fence. Here's how 1 John says it. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked at and our hands have touched... This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it, testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Now what John is saying there is that Creator God has walked with us. Our hands have touched. Our eyes have seen. Our ears have heard. That which is eternal has been here and walked among us. That's the significant of Jesus, significance of Jesus, God taking on flesh. The God of the other side of the fence now crosses the fence, and he's here walking with us. Now, there's more than that. Mark 10 says this. For the Son of Man came not to be served, that's Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So not only does the God of the other side of the fence come over to our side through Jesus, but he takes on the posture of a servant. Now he's serving humanity so far above on that side of the fence, but now he's serving humanity and giving his life as a ransom. Now, When human beings saw God on the other side of the fence, ancient man, they were naturally inclined to want to do things to placate that God who made this creation, to get his attention, to stay on God's good side. And so they worked and they worked and they sacrificed and they sacrificed. This is what we call religion. And it's alive and well today if we choose to go down that route. But thanks to Jesus, we don't have to go down that route. I personally have no use for religion because Jesus paid the ransom. The ransom is what's paid to free somebody from captivity. And the Bible says that the God became flesh on our side of the fence, served us. One of the ways he served us was by dying for us and paying our ransom. So anything that we could think of that could separate us from God, that could limit our connection with God that could bind us up. That ransom has been paid. So now it's not about me trying to get right with God. It's about me realizing that God has done that for me through the cross of Jesus. So I don't need religion now. I've been made right. And that's the single biggest difference between Christianity and every other major world religion. It's not about doing things to be right with God or to connect with God. It's understanding that God did the work. God paid the ransom. God hopped the fence and paid the price. Now let's take a look at the crucifixion here. This is in Matthew 27. And when Jesus had cried out, so he's on the cross... He cried out again in a loud voice and he gave up his spirit. So he yells something on the cross at the moment he gives up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So Jesus is over here and he's yelling something. And he gives up his spirit, he dies. And over here in the temple, the curtain is ripped. Now, we get another picture of this from the Gospel of John. Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So what did he yell before he gave up his spirit? He yelled, it is finished. Now, archaeologists have found the equivalent of ancient receipts with that same word, with that same verbiage, It is finished. It was a transactional term. It means paid in full. So we get this picture of Jesus who yells out, paid in full. And then he dies. What was paid in full? Our ransom. And at the moment he dies, what happens? The curtain in the temple rips from top to bottom. Now, amazing symbolism there because that curtain had been hanging for centuries in the temple. It was the fence I'm talking about. It was the symbolic representation of, the, of the, the separation between God and what he can do in his holiness and his might and his wonder and the rest of us. And so what God was saying is the ransom has been paid and there is now no more fence. That's what Jesus did. That's the significance of the crucifixion. That's the significance of Easter, because when we get to the resurrection, we see that God is showing us that that was not some one-time thing. This is an ongoing availability. The God didn't hop the fence and then go back. The God is here and alive. The death was for us to understand that our ransom has been paid, but the resurrection was to show us that it doesn't end in death. Let's look at the story. Luke 24. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. This was for his burial. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground the men said to them why do you seek the living among the dead he is not here he has risen there is death there is limitation there is separation there's finality and then there's life there's resurrection there's restoration there's eternity and clearly what jesus was saying is it's not about death it's about life it's about access to god And it started then through Jesus, and it continues on because he lives. Now, I want to finish up my part by reading to you from Colossians 1, because no major event at Polaris is complete without me reading Colossians 1. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus, and through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God, there was offense. You were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. So we get this Christ kind of flow or force through the universe that is one of reconciliation, restoration, and redemption. And the Bible is very clear, Paul is very clear, all things, all things, that's what Christ does. Now Christ walked with us for a while, he paid the price to redeem and restore and reconcile us, And then he was raised to life because what shows redemption and reconciliation and restoration more so than resurrection? That's the symbol, that's the image that God wants for us to have to understand what it means to be connected with him. There's never death. It's never the last word. There's restoration, there's reconciliation, there's redemption of all things when we are connected with Jesus. Now I want to tell you something. For me... The greatest evidence and the most inspiring evidence for the resurrection is God's continuing, redemptive work in the lives of you and me. There are stories everywhere from people of all walks of life, overcoming every kind of sin, every kind of mess, finding peace and fulfillment in small decisions and big decisions, restarting life, redeeming, renewing. That inspires me. And that shows me that because he lives, there is nothing out of God's reach. He's the God of the other side of the fence. And all of that creative and resurrection power is available to us and I see it in the lives of so many of you. So what I want to do, what I want you to do is to take a look at this last video and this is just a celebration of a few of the many stories here at Polaris. And, and some of this is the Jesus difference on a small level and some of it is the Jesus difference on a huge level of restoration. And I want to celebrate God's very real activity in our life that's available to you because he lives, and then we'll sing one last song, remembering that all of this is apt, all that reconciliation, restoration, and redemption is available to you because he lives.